right, text messages are coming through here. We don't seem to realise that the whole world has been in a concentration camp since the fall. Oh, wow. Yeah, they're heavy. 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 That's, but fact. Mm. Fact. Uh, Satan has control, controls the minds of the people through the media and false religions, or no religion for that matter. Had Jesus not come to set the captives free, praise God, we would not even know, especially in free nations, that we are actually slaves to Satan's biddings. Wow. Let us not forget that a people and nation that God himself chooses as a nation totally rejected him as a nation. We praise the Lord for the faithful prophets and apostles that remain faithful, that we may at least be free in Christ, which will be the only freedom we will have in these last days. Please open your minds and hearts to the Holy Spirit while he's still trying to reach us. Jesus, come soon. Amen. Just absolutely nailing it right there. And, you know, this is one of the things... We talk about the restrictions on religious liberty that are coming in, Mm -hmm. and they're coming in like a whirlwind. And so there's two things that we need to recognize. First of all is that there are things that we can do. Mm -hmm. So what has happened in Victoria, what is happening in the UK, is going to happen here in New South Wales. Are you going to wait? Are you going to wait until somebody you know puts their hand up to write the New South Wales legislation before you do something, or are you going to do something now? Mm. You know, you're going to stand up as a Christian, be counted, and stand for religious liberty, and stand for the liberty not just of Christians but of people of all faiths. Contact your local politician and say, we don't want this in our state. Now, that's, I'm saying that for New South Wales because I'm broadcasting from New South Wales. Uh, however, and, and we are, you know, still a free state. Not everybody listening to this broadcast is uh, from a state that, you know, some of you guys have anti-conversion legislation, some of you don't. Mm. But wherever we are, we have a role that we can play. We have something that we can do. But ultimately, we need to remember that in Jesus Christ, we can be free. Amen. Mm. All right. And that freedom is not for sale. All right. Let's, uh, where are we up to? Uh, Bible study time? I think it might be Bible study time, is it? Isaiah? Let's go to Isaiah and let's have a look at what we're studying today. What is happening with my computer? Classic, uh, classic Lyle moment. Classic right, here we go, here technology moment. Here, <laughs> here we go. Yeah, 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 yeah. Whatever. I am not, and I will never, ever, ever accept being called a boomer. <laughs> X Gen, thank you. X, not boomer. <sighs> okay. Let me, just, let me just shake the the, the boomer slur <laughs> off me. That was that was a that was a uh, that's ageism. <laughs> It's oh, ageism. That's intense. Lyle, please don't cancel me on Twitter, please. Cancel Ageism. All right, Isaiah 61, verse 2. Yeah, let's just go and look up Lawson's Twitter account. And uh, <laughs> I don't have a Twitter account. I don't want to get cancelled. All right. Uh, Isaiah chapter 61 and verse 2, the Bible says, He has sent me to, the, uh, to tell those who mourn that the time of the Lord's favor has come, and with it, the day of God's anger against their enemies. Okay, so we're, we're just sort of, you know, as you're moving through Isaiah, you're moving from one messianic prophecy to another. Mm-hmm. And it's kind of like, can you escape it? It's like every chapter so far that we've looked at has this, you know, this messianic prophecy in here. Um, mm. So so here's the question. Amid all of the good news, why does the Messiah here in Isaiah 61, proclaim God's vengeance 
Mm. What's that about? Well, because when will this prophecy be fulfilled? Ah, it's so interesting. Like the the philosophy behind it is that like if the Messiah brings ultimate liberation for the people, which comes at the end of sin, then it's I would say that the the vengeance. Then it's like those who are what is being destroyed is and what is being brought vengeance against is sin uh, and maybe the enemies who perpetrate. It could, re- like, as I'm reading it, just okay. from a surface level. Why does God need to have vengeance? Mm, interesting. So this is an interesting, this is, a, this is a very interesting question. Okay, so we understand why God wants to get rid of sin. Yes. And the Bible says that God will destroy sinners. We understand that because sin is like a virus. It has mm-hmm. to be destroyed. And if you let it continue, it will destroy and poison the universe. Mm-hmm. And so you have to have a limit on it at some particular point. Uh, we understand why God needs to get rid of sin, but why does he have to do it in a vengeful way? Is it for the sake of justice? Okay. All right. So then... I'm going to play devil's advocate here. <laughs> okay, 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 okay. <laughs> I'm going to play devil's advocate. Fair enough. I'm just asking questions. <laughs> um, okay, so does does God need to have some sense of justice satisfied by being vengeful? Mm. I mean, this is a strong language that the Bible uses here. Mm-hmm. And you read the verse that comes before, you know, the Spirit of the Lord is upon me because the Lord has anointed me to preach good tidings to the meek. Send me to bind up the brokenhearted, to proclaim liberty to the captives, opening of prison to those that are free, those, those that are bound, sorry, to proclaim the acceptable year of the Lord and the day of vengeance. Mm. And suddenly it goes there. And what's this all about? Why does the Bible speak about God's vengeance? Mm. And why is vengeance even necessary? Okay, so here's a uh, here's an interesting thought. But let's look at a, a um, take an eschatological view. Yes. Um, and for um, those who are, uh, I, I, I like using this word, I learned about a year ago. Um, it means end time, you know, prophecy events, mm-hmm. all those kind of things. So if you look at end time events, you've got this situation where. Uh, you have, you know, obviously the judgment takes place before Jesus comes back because when Jesus comes back, the decision is made as to who's saved and who's lost. Yes. God doesn't need to have a judgment to find out who's saved and who's lost. God needs to have a judgment to demonstrate that his decision Mm -hmm. about who's saved and who's lost is the right decision because God can read our hearts. The rest of the universe can't. Mm. And so if God just randomly saves a bunch of people and, you know, um, destroys a whole other bunch of people, you know, the universe would be looking on and going, okay, wait a minute, did God make a mistake? So God has a judgment before he comes back so the people can see he didn't make a mistake. Mm. However, we can't see that judgment. The whole universe is there present for it, present for that judgment, but we're not. We can't see it. You're listening to Faith FM, positively different radio. Okay, so we can't see that judgment, so when we get to heaven, we could be, you know, much the same. God has saved a bunch of people, he's destroyed a bunch of people, but really? Was that really the right decision? Mm. You know, uh, we kind of think that maybe this person or that person should be here, and they're not. Why are they not here? Mm. There might even be people there that you go... Why on earth is that person here? How did they get here? 
<laughs> Classic. Uh, I think that uh, I think that while that that second question may cross our minds. I think that we will be super excited to see them there. Mm. It's like, wow, that's the power of God's grace. He could say that person. Amen, yeah. You know, that's going to be, it's going to be really interesting. And so then the Bible speaks about another judgment in which that takes place during the thousand years, in which we can examine the books of record, judge for ourselves. Did God make the right decision or not? And, of course, God makes the right decision. No one's going to be able to put a court case forward and say, uh, um, God, um, you missed something here. It's never going to happen. Mm. But it's going to be good and healthy to say to see that, um, that God has made the right decision for ourselves. Mm. Okay, so we've got a message coming here through from a caller. Let me just go to it. Um, so Bruce has this to say, The wicked see God as vengeful, but he's coming to save. But for the wicked, they will hide themselves from him from shame and contempt. Mm. Contempt for themselves. Now, that's an interesting perspective, isn't yes. it? Yes. Is the vengeance God's perspective? Yes. Or the wicked's perspective? Mm. And is it all just based on choice? Indeed. Mm. Because everybody has the choice right now. You can choose God or not choose God. No, but God's never going to force you. Yeah, and that's the the picture that we get in Revelation of like people at the end of time. You have those who are standing and waiting God's coming, singing singing the song of the Lamb, and you know singing the song of Moses. This and then, is our God. We have waited for Him, and He will save us. Yeah, and then you have the other people who are like, "Let the rocks fall on us." Okay, so we find that, and this is the passage that Bruce is referencing right here in Revelation chapter six. Uh, the Bible says the heaven departed as a scroll when it is rolled together. Every mountain and island were moved out of their fate places because Jesus is, is about to return. The kings of the earth, the great men, the rich men, the chief captains, the mighty men, every bondman and every free man hid themselves in the dens and in the rocks of the mountains and said to the mountains and rocks, fall on us and hide us from the face of him that sits on the throne and from the wrath of the Lamb. So Jesus is coming back to save people, mm-hmm. but for them, that's like the worst possible case scenario yes. ever. Because oh, I think you've talked about this a bunch, Lyle, but the judgment is a good thing for those who are on the good side of the judgment, and it's a bad thing for those who are on the bad side of the judgment. Indeed. Yeah, like a judgment in any sense, like we should, you know, for those who are of good conscience, judgments are fantastic. Judgments are amazing things. Oh, they are the best. Because they, the ultimate outcome of a judgment is rewarding those who have been doing the right thing. And justice being done. Exactly. But it's like for those who are not on the the uh, the good side of the judgment, essentially, yeah, all they see is hatred, vengeance, destruction in this sense. It's tough. Really, really tough. Mm. Okay, so um, we have... You know, this this whole passage here where, you know, the Bible is speaking about uh, vengeance and these people are suffering a tremendous, tremendous amount of shame. Mm. Shame for what they've done and they don't want to see God's face. It's just like, no, hide us from, hide us from the face of God. Mm. So there's, there's, there's this aspect of it as well. Now, then if we look at an eschatological timeline, uh-huh. okay. timeline of end time events, we find that after God has... Return to this earth. Mm-hmm. The saved to save, the lost to lost. 
But then God uses his creative power to bring the wicked back to life again. Mm. Why is that? And, of course, the answer to that is very simple because this is the one time in history when you will have every being that has ever lived alive in one place at one time. Mm. And for the very last time, yeah, God opens the books of records. This is all about the judgment. God opens the books of records and... uh, Anybody who feels that they are unjustly done by can put up their hand and say, hey, look, you know, uh, I should not have been, you know, I should have been uh, resurrected or I should have been, you know, taken to heaven in the first resurrection. I shouldn't be coming up in the second. They have that opportunity to put their case before God and the records of their life there are open for all to see, Mm. including themselves. And the Bible says every knee shall bow and every tongue confess that Jesus is Lord. That's the only time that can ever be possible yes. because it's the only time that everybody will be alive. And when the wicked themselves pronounce that they themselves cannot be saved, mm. that's the final act in the judgment. Mm. And that's the final act in vindicating Love mm. as the way the universe should run. And the final act in saying, yeah, sin is a disaster and we need to get rid of it out of the universe. Because that is God saying we should get rid of sin. That is the angels who have seen it for 6,000 years saying we should get rid of it. That is human beings who have lived on this earth and been resurrected and taken to heaven saying we should be without it. And that's the wicked who have embraced and loved and lived in sin saying themselves, we should get rid of this, this is bad, this can't last forever. Mm. And then God destroys them again. Now, a question that sometimes goes through a lot of people's minds is, is that all there is to it, just a blink and they're gone? Some people think that that would be you know, the best thing. Others would say, well, no, that's not just. What's your thoughts on that one, Lawson? You know, should there be degrees of punishment? I mean, the Bible uses the word vengeance. And when the Bible uses the word vengeance, it implies degrees of punishment. Mm. Yeah, listen, uh, my thoughts on this, I've read about this. I've uh, conversed with people about this um, because it's... it's, there are very compelling and clear thoughts from all sides. I I guess the question would be, is there a punitive aspect other than just... A cleansing aspect. Ooh. Well, I guess, like, in and of itself, the destruction at the end is that punitive aspect. Yes. Right? Um, That's right. But whether there's degrees or not, in in my personal opinion, <laughs> I'm trying to be so diplomatic with this because cause it is a little bit contentious. I've, 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 I've backed corner, uh, Lawson into yeah. a corner here. Where no, uh, in, my, in my personal opinion, like, I see um, that part of... Part of like our time, you know, during the 1000 years uh, and part of the time during the judgment, looking at whether God is correct or not, um, could very well include a time where seeing whether God's punishment of the wicked is correct. Yes. Um, Whether and and very much uh, that could include like the ability to, you know, different degrees, whether someone deserves a high degree of punishment or a lower degree of punishment. I feel like because ultimately this punishment at the end, unlike, for example, like jail that we 
experience now, like pr- in the imprisonment system, a large part of that is for the purpose of rehabilitation. Well, they call them rehabilitation centres. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. But this judgment at the end is... Or correctional centres. Is the, the judgment at the end is for those who are ultimately choose not to be rehabilitated. Yes. God has given them every single opportunity to make that choice. And they're like, no, I have decided to I not choose be... Death. I, I choose death. I choose... Not only do I... Yeah, not only do I choose sin, but I choose death too. Like, I'm like, it, like, as you were getting to, that they see sin as a terrible and harmful thing uh, that they won't choose against. And they're like, oh, well, ultimately, it's my choice that's the problem. Mm-hmm. Like, I'm ready to, like, God is good. I'm ready for this to end. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's a really, really sad and unfortunate cent- uh, circumstance. And consequently i could see at the same time if those people could see the degree to which their sin had hard it uh hurt and affected others they would probably also agree to whether god had a more extensive or less extensive punishment to them now whether that actually happens um i think that's up to to research research philosophy you know we jump into the bible but um because i know that people have opinions either way and Either which way, God is still a just God. Yes. Like, I, I don't think I you vote, could- I vote uh, Lawson for Prime Minister. <laughs> so different. <laughs> <laughs> I just don't want to get slammed by Lyle. I sit in this studio with fear. If I state an opinion, then he's going to try and get me to search the Bible. You're listening to The Breakfast Show Podcast on Faith FM. Positively different. Okay, so we have text message coming through here. Is Hitler and Stalin... Wait, 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 wait. What fairness would there be if all received the same punishment? Even courts today have various punishments, depending on the severity of the crime. Yes. We'd have to guess, since the Bible tells us so, the Lord would never leave us to guess such important matters. Is Hitler and Stalin going... Hitler and Satan, sorry, going to suffer the same punishment in the lake of fire? It's an interesting question, eh? Okay, so here's the question. Here's the real question that goes behind it. What is the purpose? Yes. Of punitive punishment. What does that, does God ever do anything without a purpose? Mm. And this is what I always get hit with when people ask me this question because uh, our, our texter here has correctly pointed out the Bible says some will be punished with few stripes and some with many. Mm-hmm. Black and white, simple as that. Um, but then you have to stop and ask yourself, what is accomplished by that? Mm-hmm. Because es- God does nothing without a purpose. Especially when the end result is ultimate death. Uh, and somebody just uh, got bragging rights again. Now everybody's getting it. Yeah, of course. Everybody's getting it. <laughs> <laughs> um, especially because the ultimate punishment is eternal death. Yeah. And if that if there is no such thing as any form of correctional proceed, correctional benefit to this punishment, then why have it at all? mm and the reason is that this is not because we always get because we look at it from a penal system and we look at it from a human system. We assume that God's vengeance or God's vengeance or His punishment is for either the benefit of God or the benefit of the sinner. Mm. And of course, there's no benefit if the person's going to die at some particular point anyway. Mm. And so then we ask, okay, what benefit could there be from that? And it's, it's, it's a little bit like this. You see horrific crimes that take place, 
and you see the survivors of those crimes. And, you know, I could give some examples that are just completely off the charts of, you know, the levels of abuse and people just being, you know, abused to death over a long period of time. And I could give examples that have taken place here in Australia. And uh, then the perpetrators being caught and then the perpetrators of those crimes getting off on a technicality. That happens from time to time. And what you find is this. The relatives of those people that suffered those suffered horrifically like that are never able to find closure until something is done about it. Mm. And the benefit of this is not for the criminal. The benefit is for the healing Mm. that comes from closure and seeing that something was done. Mm. The people who argue the strongest against God having any kind of vengeance are those who have suffered the least. Mm. They're the ones who have suffered the least amount of injustice. Yes. You don't find people coming from those parts of the world where they have suffered massive amounts of persecution promoting this kind of doctrine. Mm. So just... Putting it out there, you might have some different thoughts on that. And if you've got some different thoughts on that, hey, we'd love to hear from you. Our number is 1-800-324-843, or you can text us on 0491-064669. But part of the healing process, and any psychologist will tell you this, part of the healing process is is to bring closure to the survivors. Mm. And the Bible says that after this has happened, all tears have been wiped, all tears are wiped away, and there is no more sin or, or suffering or pain or crying for the former things have passed away. The Bible says that takes place after this. Why? Because now the universe has found closure. I mean, you think about what we suffer here on this earth. Think about the rest of the universe. Think that the, think of the PTSD that the universe is suffering from watching what goes on on this planet for 6,000 years. Mm. There's got to be healing from that. Okay. Yeah, somebody somebody texts through. The benefit is for the survivors of the crime. Yes. You know, and that's that's why, you know, we have the death penalty even today. All right. Uh, where are we up to? In our Bible study. Here's something interesting. Yesterday's Bible study. Yes. We read how Jesus stood up in the synagogue And he read, the spirit of the Lord is upon me because the Lord has anointed me to preach good tidings to the meek. This is Isaiah 61 verse 1. He has sent me to bind up the brokenhearted, to proclaim liberty to the captives, the opening of the prison to those that are bound to proclaim the acceptable year of the Lord. And Jesus stopped reading right there. Yes. Why didn't he read the next sentence? So it's in the middle of verse 2. He stops in the middle of verse 2. Hmm. What is the, why didn't he read the next sentence, which says, and the day of vengeance of our God? Because that hasn't been fulfilled yet. That's right. It mm. was still future. Mm-hmm. And that was not the message that Jesus was bringing. Jesus was not bringing a message that, you know, I've come here as the Messiah. Yes, he says that. The Jewish people at the time, now we wonder why was it that they were about to throw him off the cliff? And there are a couple of reasons that stand out immediately. The first one is that you've got the local kid who's turned up and proclaimed himself as the Messiah. Mm. And they're like, no, you're not the Messiah. You're the local carpenter. You're the chippy who we all know and lived and worked here for 30 years. Um, 
and you can't be taking to yourself, you know, those kinds of airs and graces. We will teach you a lesson. There's that aspect. There's the next aspect where he is very popular. He is widely believed to be the Messiah. It's highly possible and he's just proclaimed a jubilee year. And if he's proclaimed a jubilee year, then a whole bunch of people, their business has just gone down the drain because they have made their investments based on when the next jubilee year is going to be. And it's not that year. Yeah. But then Jesus doesn't quote this last bit. And this was the bit that the Jewish people wanted more than anything else. Mm. The day of the Lord's vengeance on the Romans. And Jesus doesn't go there. That's to come in the future. You're listening to The Breakfast Show Podcast on Faith FM. Positively different. Okay, Lyle, question of the day. Question of the day. All right, what do you got for us there today, Lawson? Okay, uh, essentially, if Jesus tells us that we have everlasting life, then why do we still die? As he says in John chapter 6, verse 53, so Jesus said again, I tell you the truth, unless you eat of the flesh of the Son uh, of Man and drink of his blood, you cannot uh, have eternal life within you. But anyone who eats my flesh and drinks my blood has eternal life, and I will raise that person up at the last day. Okay, so this is a this is quite like one of the most contradictory verses in the entire Bible. Mm-hmm. Uh, particularly those uh, last couple of lines there in verse fifty four. Whoever eats my flesh and drinks my blood has what everlasting life, and I will raise him up. Okay, so let me point out the obvious: you can't have a resurrection unless you first have a death. Mm-hmm. So Jesus stands there in front of the disciples and says, you eat my flesh, you drink my blood, and he's talking about his word, Uh, you have eternal life, Mm. and I will raise you up at the last day. In other words, you have eternal life, but you're going to die, but you have eternal life. (laughs) That makes no sense whatsoever at all. Right, you see how contradictory that is. Yeah, somebody wants to know, you know, uh, how do we have everlasting life? How do we have eternal life right now if we're still going to die? If there's still going to be a thing such as a resurrection, very, very valid question. Let me ask you a question, uh, Lawson. When did Jesus die? Well, uh, Jesus died on the cross. Yes, you know, uh, thirty A.D. Thirty-one AD. Thirty-one AD. Thirty-one AD. Of course. Of course. Okay. So Jesus died. Are you sure? Uh, Let me go. Revelation thirteen. See. See. This is this is this is the day of Lyle's vengeance against Lawson for the quiz. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. Revelation chapter Mm thirteen, and uh, we will read verse eight. The Bible says, Revelation chapter 13 and verse 8, And all who belong to the world worship the beast. They are the ones whose names were not written uh, were not written in the book of life before the world was made. The book belongs to the lamb who was slaughtered. Okay, let me read this one from my translation. Mm-hmm. All that live upon the earth shall worship him whose names are not written in the book of life of the lamb slain from the foundation of the world. Okay, so there's a more word-for-word translation. Somebody hasn't tried to put their thoughts into it and, you know, say, well, I think it means this. They've actually just translated the words. And when you actually just translate the words, the lamb is slain from the foundation of the world. Mm -hmm. And so when you get an interpretive translation, it's like, yeah, well, that didn't happen, so let's see if we can come up with a different uh, explanation to that. (laughs) Uh, Whereas the word-for-word translation simply says it. The lamb was slain from the foundation of the world. Mm. We say that Jesus died in AD 31. The Bible says that he died long before that. 
Wow. Mm. Okay, so how does this actually work? And it works on a principle. You'll find this principle running throughout Scripture. It's a really important one. It helps us to understand all kinds of things, you know, things like the Incarnation, things like the Godhead, things like the Trinity and so forth. And it is simply this. The promises of God are so sure that when made, they are counted as present reality. Mm. In other words, when the promise was made that Jesus would die, it was present reality right then and there, Mm. which is why Adam and Eve didn't die the moment they sinned. Yes. Okay? So as Canada's present reality, you find exactly the same. That principle runs throughout Scripture, and that's why we have eternal life right now. Thanks for being a part of the Faith FM family. Join our community on Facebook or get in touch at 1-800-FAITH-FM.